Boston Sports Syndicate. What's going on, everybody? This is the latest episode of Above the Parquet. Now, if you are new to this incredible show... Uh, this is the Boston Sports Syndicate show that is geared towards all things Celtics and NBA and anything hoops. Uh, I am your host, as always, Matty D. Uh, and I'm not here alone. I'm never here alone. I always got my boys with me. So I am joined by my two co-hosts, Chris Henrique and Derek McVeigh. Boys, what's up? How's it going, Matty? I'm doing what's okay. It's been a it's been a it's been a long time since we've talked. There's been a lot of uh, you know hoops wrapping up uh, throughout the league, so that's pretty much going to be what we cover here tonight. Some Celtics wrap up, some NBA wrap up, and uh, you know a little extracurricular you know topics as we're known to to do. So if you boys are ready, you want to just dive right in. You have any opening thoughts for tonight's show? Let's get into it. All right, so let's start where the Celtics left off. Celtics lose four games to two to the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, I believe if we're playing prices right rules, I win because I was I had the Celtics winning in seven, and you guys had the Celtics winning earlier. So is that how this works? Yeah, yeah, sure. If that's how you want, that's how you want to spin it. You want I both bet. showcases? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think I don't think I want both showcases because I didn't hit it on the I didn't hit the nail on the head, but I'm closest if that makes any sense. So, I mean, we're all obviously the three of us are disappointed. Celtics Nation's disappointed. You know, we had high hopes for this team. Uh, so, you know, let's just dive right in. What is your you know your initial thoughts? Your your overall you know. Thoughts and uh, uh, maybe concerns or optimism, whatever you want to, however you want to take it. So, Chris, what are your initial thoughts of the, well, Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, to say that I would be, I mean, I was surprised. You know, the Celtics went into that. They were the clear favorites, you know. Um, and, I mean, what have they been to, like three of the last four conference finals? So, I, I mean, obviously they were the favorites, but I, I think. I think people were underestimating the heat. You know, the heat just came off of a huge series win against the Bucks, And, you know, that team was, it was clear they were loaded with talent and they just, they looked like they wanted it more. They just, they, they seemed hungrier. They, they just played with more heart. They, they looked like that they were a team that was united versus the Celtics, which we came to find out towards the end of the series. There seems to be some locker room tension. Um, so, yeah, I'm surprised that, that the Heat won that series in six. I thought that at least, you know, as the series went on, it would go seven. Um, I, I'm left disappointed that, you know, because this was it, similar to the Bruins, you know, when they went to the Stanley Cup against the Blues, like they had the path. It was there. You know what I mean? It was like it was there for the taking low hanging fruit and they failed to execute. Yeah, I mean, you bring that you bring that up the failing, you know, to execute, and that was kind of my initial thought after the series wrapped up was, you know, the Celtics they just weren't, you know, for lack of a better term, they weren't veteran enough. They just didn't seem to have those intangibles that the Heat had, you know, with Jimmy Buckets being 
the grizzled vet all about business guy that he is. Uh, and even some of their young guys played with just a little bit more, seemed like poise. I don't know if it was, if they were more careful. I'm not sure exactly how, you know, how you want to say it. But yeah, I, my initial thought was that the Celtics were not really veteran enough to take down the Heat in 2020. Derek, what are your, some of your thoughts of uh, that Eastern Conference loss to the Heat? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely disappointing. Uh, I still think to this day, like if you look at the, you compare the rosters, the Celtics are, have the more talented roster. They just, they couldn't execute when it counted most. Um, you know, if you, at the start of the year, if you had said the Celtics are going to lose the Eastern Conference, get to the Eastern Conference Finals and lose in six games, I think most people would have considered it a success. But when, like Chris said, when you look at the path and the fact that it was the Heat and not the Bucks or, you know, not a like a healthy Nets team, um, you know, it was definitely the, the path to the championship. At least a, a finals appearance was there. Uh, so it was disappointing to come up short. And, yeah, I agree in that they're – you know, they missed maybe a little like veteran savviness in the in the fourth quarter of a lot of those games where they had leads and couldn't hang on. But I mean, Miami doesn't have a ton of veterans like Jimmy Butler made some big plays, but guys like Tyler Hero were stepping up and he won them a game. Bam Adebayo won them a game like it was Miami's young guys were stepping up and Boston's young guys didn't. Right. I also thought that the the Celtics really lacked in, in shooting in comparison to the Miami Heat. You know, I, I remember on numerous occasions where, you know, the Celtics had a little bit of a lead and all of a sudden they had, you know, Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or Jimmy Butler or Goran Dracic draining threes from wherever they needed to. It just seemed like when the Celtics needed that big shot from deep, they couldn't get it and the Heat were all over it. Yeah, it felt like um, like when those runs were happening, when the Heat were stringing a few baskets together, the Celtics kind of like panicked a bit. And instead of like staying staying within the offense and playing how they were playing the whole game, they got very isolated. And you know, you saw Tatum or Walker doing a lot of one on one, and it just they stopped moving the ball. They became easier to defend. They turned it over a ton. Um, so I think they they definitely panicked a bit as you know the Heat went on like their those mini runs late in the game. Derek, I'm so glad you bring that up because maybe that is a better way to explain how I meant uh, they weren't veteran enough. Because even watching the game as a fan, there were moments where I'm watching the Celtics and I'm sitting in my seat going, oh, here we go. And instead of them, you know, rallying or, or fighting back, they almost felt the same way where it was like, like you just said, here we go. Uh-oh, there goes a big shot. Oh, I was covering that guy. How did that how'd that go in? And then it just snowballed, and that was a little bit of a, a through line in the entire playoffs, but it really came back to hurt them, obviously, in the Eastern Conference Finals. For sure. And, like, if you remember, I mean, there's obviously different teams, but a few years ago when they had, like, Isaiah and Kelly Olynyk and Crowder and, and all those guys, they had those those moments, too. Like, if you remember, when they played the Wizards, they the Celtics were on the receiving end of some of, like, the worst playoff runs in history, like... 21 point runs um so you wonder if it's a if like brad stevens is the one common denominator there i mean he is a guy that he doesn't use his timeouts a lot he likes to encourage his guys to play through things and let them work it out themselves and you wonder if sometimes he waits too long and things have already kind of snowballed out of control oh certainly and, and you 
someone mentioned him earlier, Tyler Hero. I mean, this guy can't even buy a beer at the local bar, yet he was looking like a 10-year vet when they needed a big bucket. He got a big bucket, whether it was close, whether it was far. This guy was incredible. And, you know, because of the series, the, narr- the, the story came out that Pat Riley actually took Tyler Hero guard from the University of Kentucky in the draft. It was, I think, a pick before the Celtics, and it was more of a spite pick for Ainge than it was what he wanted. Apparently, Ainge had, had eyes for this kid, you know, indicated he was the one he wanted when their, their selection came up, and, and a pick before Pat Riley took him right from his feet. And, man, uh, uh, Tyler Hero being on the Celtics in the series, I think would have made loads of difference. So I got to ask you guys this, you know, we're in Boston, we're part of the Boston media. We got to ask the questions that maybe get a rise out of the green teamers. Is there anyone to blame in the loss in this series? Yeah, Chris, what do you I, think? I like to, I like to blame somebody. I like to blame Marcus Smart because I felt like he took too many unnecessary shots. Marcus Smart took shots as if he was the premier go-to player on this team. In game six, he took 22 shots, which is second on the team to Tatum, who took 26. Of those 22, the dude hit, uh, the thir- I'm sorry, 13 of them came from three point range. Guys, like Marcus Smart is not a, he's not a, he's not a three point shooter. You're aggressive. You play, you know, he plays what? Hard nosed defense. Go to the freaking basket. Like, go to the basket every once in a while. And, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, did he hit a couple of really, you know, he hit some shots? Of course. Go to the basket. Like, when is this this Celtics team going to understand that they are not the Golden State Warriors, that they can just chuck up threes and drain them and play that kind of basketball? They do it, but that's not the Celtics, as far as I'm concerned. It's so frustrating to watch this team because towards the end of every one of those games, when they gave up those leads in the fourth quarter, what did this team do? They went to the three-point game, and it wasn't there. It was so frustrating to watch. And while Marcus Smart, from a defensive perspective, he was really good for them at times. From an offensive standpoint, it, to me, canceled out. And and it sucks because, like, the dude played his ass off the entire series. And I hate saying that he was a liability in this series. But when Marcus Smart is taking the majority of your shots, I'm sorry, but you're you're not going to you're not going to advance in a playoff series. He's he's not the type of player to do that. It's funny you mentioned Marcus Smart shooting too many threes because the guy is a flopping extraordinaire. You would think that you know he would take a little of that on the offensive end and go to the so rack saying, and pull up Paul Pierce and just basket. scream, you know, fall, get to the rim. And, and it's it, when you say this, it's like it's like, you know, a light being shined on something that maybe I was missing. It, I thought that Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward were going to be those guys. They, that's kind of how they were built. That's kind of how we talked about them, as they would be the facilitators, kind of slashers, guys that you know did some things off the ball and also took the ball around towards the hoop. Uh, and, and that was just kind of non-existent. So you know, well, I, and, I can't disagree with anything you're saying right now, Chris. And, and to, you know, and I think that there is, if we're gonna, if we're gonna have some, you know, after-game dessert pie here, let's look at. Where was the help off the bench? Danny Ainge. What what did Danny Ainge do at the deadline? Who did he go ahead and acquire? What did he bring in to help this bench out? We've talked about it. We, you know, we've had these other players that, that were there. We got to see the Wanamakers and the Time Lords and everything else. But could they not have benefited from another big man? 
you know, Gordon Hayward and his his lack of being healthy certainly didn't help. I, I think that's been the story for him ever since he came back from that ankle injury. Kemba Walker, you would have thought having the time with COVID, he got healthy from an offensive perspective in that in that series. Where was Kemba Walker? His defense, different conversation, but offensively, like I. I want to, we need an Amber alert. Like where's Kemba Walker? Like, would right. you be surprised in this, in this off season, if Danny Ainge traded Kemba Walker, I wouldn't, you can't be, you wouldn't be able to be surprised because he was brought in almost to be that kind of that gritty veteran guy, that guy that, that would take the ball, the hoop, the guy that would make the big shot. And he during didn't do any of that, reg- and do any of that in, the, in the bubble. No. And during the regular season, Kemba Walker was a breath of fresh air, you know, the anti carry uh, Kyrie Irving, but, I'm just kind of curious as to when is when are people going to start saying, hey, Danny Ainge, you're not really the mastermind anymore. Like you won one championship. Like, dude, what have you done for me lately? OK, you, you know, you traded Fultz and he, he makes all these really good player personnel. But what is it getting three of the last four Eastern Conference finals? And there's nothing to show for it. There's one championship because you were able to bring in Kevin Garnett. Oh, by the way, because the dude that you played with in the eighties traded him to you for mm-hmm. players who honestly should never been traded for Kevin Garnett. Like when are we going to start putting pressure on, on Danny Ainge? But we're not, we're not Danny Ainge gets a free pass here because green teamers will never, ever, ever criticize the Boston Celtics. They'll criticize the Patriots. They'll criticize the Red Sox. They'll criticize the Bruins. But when it comes to the Celtics, the Celtics can never do no wrong. I will now turn it over to Derek. <laughs> How do I follow that? Um, I mean, I think I think everyone deserves blame. Um, I mean, yeah, Smart took a, a bunch of bad shots. That's that's the the good and the bad of Smart, right? He's an excellent defender, and but you have to live with his terrible shot selection. And sometimes, you know, early in those games where he hits three or four in a row, you're almost like, oh, crap, he's going to keep shooting. And, you know, he'll miss like three or four in a row, and then he'll keep shooting to try and get back in that rhythm. Um, because he did have some good shooting games. But, yeah, he, he should not be taking 26 shots um, in an elimination game. I think, you know, Kemba Walker obviously deserves blame because he played poorly. Um, I don't think he was fully healthy, and I think it was it was kind of obvious. I think Tatum and Brown both deserve blame as well. I mean, Tatum in those... Then towards the end of that series, especially in game six or in the fourth quarter, a lot of those games, he disappeared, turned the ball over a bunch, took some bad shots, missed a bunch of shots. Jalen Brown was probably their best offensive player, but it just feel like it felt like he wasn't aggressive enough, like demanding the ball and attacking the basket. Uh, you know, if you want to be the guy or the, one of the top two guys, you got to go get that ball and you've got to take games over. And it just felt like these young guys were weren't willing to do that. And and not and you know what? Let's let's we got to give a little bit of blame to Brad Stevens. Uh, you know, I think that I was gonna I, I was that, gonna say neither one of you guys said anything about Brad Stevens. Is he is know, he blameless in all this? So take it no, away, he, Chris. He no, he's not exempt. Like everybody got on the Raptors d- during that Raptors series, right? Everybody got on Nurse on the sidelines for his theatrics and everything else 
And Brad Stevens was just even keel. It was just, everything's okay. And then we get into the Eastern Conference Finals, and it was still even keel. Like, what does this do to fire? Like, where is he firing this team up? You know, like, we're getting reports that after the game, you have Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown. They're at each other's throats. Like, when is he, again, but we don't know because it's not coming out in, in, in the public, but when is he given the impression that he's taking control of this basketball team? You know, you were in the biggest series, and it's your easiest path to the finals since you have been the head coach of this basketball team, and you let this golden opportunity just go to the wayside. You can scheme it all up, all that you want. You can get the little board and your magic marker and and, and put all of these plays in, into play. But at some point, you need to manage the personalities and the players within your team. And it's a young team, and you don't have the veteran leadership. That's where a, a head coach needs to step in and set precedent. And, and just – it didn't feel like that that was there. And don't get me wrong. I don't think I – think I think Brad Stevens is the right guy to lead this team. But – Danny Ainge, when are you going to give Brad Stevens some help? When are you going to give him the veterans to help command that locker room? So maybe, maybe my excuse, maybe my my issue is with with Danny Ainge. So Danny Ainge gets the blame pie. You know, you bring up Brad Stevens, and I think this is a great time to segue into our fan question of the episode: Is Brad Stevens the right coach for this team at this stage of their development? Chris, you kind of gave me your answer, but why don't you go ahead, Derek, and give me yours? Yeah, I think I think for this roster, Brad Stevens is a, the perfect guy for guys that are, uh, you know, early on in their careers, young guys who are still developing. Um, I mean, we saw, you know, a couple of years ago with Kyrie and, and Horford and Marcus Morris, and you know, when you had a more a more veteran team, that's where he kind of struggled. Um, but I think he's at his best with young, you know, energetic guys, scrappy guys who are still developing and you know, are are willing to be coached. Um, and I th- so I think he's he's perfect for for something like this or for a roster like this. Uh, you know, Chris mentioned he doesn't get too like animated on the sidelines. I just don't think that's in his in his DNA. My problem with him in the the series was it didn't feel like in the fourth quarter when the Celtics were really struggling with Miami's zone and you know turning it over and turning it over. It didn't feel like he was calling any like plays. Uh, it was just kind of like, all right, you guys will figure it out. It just felt like he didn't do a lot of coaching in in those moments. You know, a guy like Eric Spolstra isn't. I mean, he's one of the best coaches in the league, and I don't I don't consider him like a very like fiery or, or animated guy. I mean, he's obviously more animated than Brad Stevens. Pretty much every coach in the league is, but I don't necessarily think that Stevens needs to be that guy. I just think he, he got out coached in this series, uh, but I still have confidence in him moving forward. Look, I'm not saying I need this dude to throw a chair across the, the, the parquet. Like I don't need to go all like Bobby Knight, but when your team in the playoffs, the, the, you know, you are one round away from the NBA finals and your team is blowing big leads. These leads are evaporating right in front of you. And when that's happening, and you just look at the play of your players, you need to step in and you need to reel that in. You know, and that's where I go and say, like, if you have a veteran or two, like, think of the team that won the championship that the Celtics had last. You have guys like Sam Cassell and James Posey and Leon Poe. Like, these are established players, players who 
who, yeah, they weren't superstars any longer or at all, but they, they seemed to be like that, that they had that presence within the team who on the Celtics had that presence. They don't have that. That's just a bunch of young guys. You know, for me, if this team is going to move forward, we need a veteran presence or two, someone who can assist Brad Stevens when they're on the court and say, guys, like, you know, we just blew a 10 point lead. You can't let it melt down in front of you because that's what happened this entire series. You know, and I I also, you know, to piggyback, I, I would have to agree with. With Derek, like, I don't think he did a lot of coaching. I think he he just was trying to be so reactive to what was happening. But if you're if you're reacting to what's happening, it just means that you don't have control of of your team, what's happening on the court. So we actually have a follow up question from the same fan. Is Brad Stevens the coach to take this team to the next level? Presumably NBA champions. Well, I mean, so, they got to get to the finals first. I, you know, I can Brad can Brad Stevens coach this team to a finals appearance. You know, we're going to go into next into next season, this off season. You know, there there are some question marks, and we'll talk about that. Like, what what are the C's going to do? Are they going to make some changes with the roster? Who's who's coming? Who's going? But they're not the only team that that's going to get better. I think that if you're going to try to do that, do it this year, because that same Heat team that just beat you in the Easter Conference Finals, they're gearing up to bring one of the best players in the game from Milwaukee down to Miami at the end of next season. So if you're going to make a move, do it now, because that that Miami team is a young and they're on the come. They are, you know, like guys like Duncan Robinson, you mentioned hero, you know, I mean, look at Jimmy Butler. Like Jimmy Butler just he completely changed the, the perception on, on him in, in one playoff, you know, in one you know, between the Bucks series and the Celtics series. Yeah, Giannis and that that mixed. Celts are done. That because they, they, they do not have the roster to match up to that. So if they're gonna do it, they need to do it this season. But who knows, maybe Brad Stevens, you know, the the Trader Dan, I'm sorry, maybe Trader Danny has something up his sleeve. Derek, do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, I think, you know, it's, I don't know if there's anyone that could take, any coach that could take this roster, like this exact roster as it's constructed right now. I don't know if there's any coach in the league that could, you know, make them NBA champions. Because uh, I just don't think they have enough on their team, you know, as currently constituted. Uh, but I think, Brad's a, a great coach and can lead them. You know, you give him a, a piece or two. I think he can absolutely lead them to a championship. Um, you know, this this loss is is definitely disappointing, and it was a you know it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth just in the manner that they lost. You know, if they those first two games, you know, if, if these games were back and forth down to the wire and it came down to like a shot or two, and the Celtics weren't blowing these double digit leads, I think people would feel a little bit differently, but it just feels like they blew this series. They they lost this series after game two. Um, you know, they came out game one, blew a lead, lost in overtime, whatever. They come back the next night, they build a huge lead in the third quarter and let it, you know, pass again. If they had held on to that lead in game two, I think it would have been a completely different series. It would have been 1-1. They would have had you go into game three and you're like, we've controlled this entire series. We should be up 2-0. You know, we're... We're the better team. But now you're going into game three, down 2-0, 
all the momentum in the world is with Miami. Um, so I just think it was a disappointing finish, but I think there's a, a, a bit of overreaction just in the, the manner of which they lost the series. So Marcus Smart and Danny Ainge are the main people to blame in this loss. We will talk about them further later in the show. But I want to take a quick break from Celtic Stock. We're going to get right back into it. Don't you, don't you green teamers worry. We're going to get back to Celtic Stock. Let's just go ahead and wrap up the NBA season because the Lakers, LeBron, AD, they beat that very Miami Heat team four games to two in the NBA Finals. Do any of you guys have any uh, thoughts or uh, comments you want to make about the Lakers or the NBA Finals? You know, so as a Celtics fan, I think it's really hard to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to root for the Lakers. I mean, it's kind of like saying, as a Bruins fan, you can't root for the Canadians in, in the Stanley Cup Finals. As a Sox fan, you can't root for the Yankees in the World Series. If you're a Pats fan, I mean, you can't root for, I guess, the Steelers, because the Jets ain't never getting there. Um, <laughs> so, like, so to say as a Celtics fan, I was rooting for the Lakers. I think I was, I was rooting more for the, the story around the Lakers, you know, you take a look at 2020 and, you know, Kobe passing away had such a traumatic effect on the game and not just the game, but, you know, honestly, the world. And it really kind of like set forth this this downward spiral of really what 2020 has been. I mean, um, so the fact that the that the Lakers were able to win the finals the same year that we lost Kobe, you know, it, it's it's kind of one of those like silver lining positive stories out of 2020 that there's not enough of right now because between between the election and, you know, obviously COVID and, you know, racism in this country, like those are, those are just three things that just cast this darkest cloud over, over everything that we got going on. The fact that the, that the Lakers were able to win this championship really kind of like to me for Kobe and his daughter, I felt like that's a positive and I really wasn't upset that the Lakers won this series. Um, the Heat, it's they're young. They're like I said, they're up and coming. They got a really good foundation. Um, but the fact that the Celt- that the, the Celtics, the, the fact the Lakers did this, and they and it to me was a was a feel good story. And I, I'm I, I'm I'm kind of happy that it kind of ended the way that it did. And you know, if you uh, if you follow the above the parquet Twitter handle, uh, well, if you don't, you definitely should. Uh, you know, we shared uh, some of the some of the vibes that was going on in L.A., you know, the chants that were going on just from apartment buildings and and, and crowds that were forming wherever in L.A. And it was, you know, it was you're right, Chris. It was a magical moment for the city. It was a magical moment for people who, you know, were huge Kobe fans or huge Lakers fans or just people that felt, you know, awful about, you know, the tragedy that happened earlier this year. So, yeah, I, it was it was a big win for the Lakers and and LeBron and company. You know, they got it done. So that leads me to the next question. Is LeBron James on Michael Jordan's level now? Derek, what do you think? No, I mean, initially, no. I mean, it's it's so hard to compare the two. Look, they're obviously two of the greatest of all time. And LeBron's, you know, the best player of his era. Jordan's the best player of his era. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still, you know, six to four. I mean, Jordan's still got six rings. So until LeBron can get the six, I don't think you can put him on the the same level. Now that doesn't like diminish anything that LeBron has done, 
but you also got to look in the at the manner of which you know they've won their titles. I mean, Jordan won all won all six. You know, he's he started the same way as LeBron. You know, as a, a young kid in a, a tough franchise, he kind of brought them back to the limelight, led them to carried them to the playoffs a few times, and you know, failed a few times. The Celtics kind of kept getting in the way of Jordan uh, early on, or then the, the Pistons got in his way. And then, you know, they drafted Pippen, and that's all Jordan really needed, just someone by his side. And, but Jordan still carried him to the to the finals, still carried him to those titles. Whereas LeBron, things got tough, and, you know, he teamed up with two other superstars and won some championships. And then he came back to Cleveland and won them a championship. But when he came back to Cleveland, you know, they had – Kyrie, but then they went out and got a superstar in Kevin Love. And then he went to L.A. and he brought in a superstar, Anthony Davis. So I just think look, LeBron's four titles are still impressive and what he does on the court is impressive. But I just think Jordan is still in a, a class of his own. Yeah, I, I don't think you can compare the two. I still think Jordan is the gold standard for, you know, basketball players. And I still think he's the greatest of all time. You know, I'm not sitting here saying that LeBron isn't great. He is great. He's the greatest player that, you know, of, of this generation. And, and I think uh, where some some of his greatness gets lost is when you talk about all the appearances in comparison to the victories. You know, you can't fault the guy for making the, the championship and losing. You know, you can when you're comparing him to the greatest of all time and MJ. But, you know, in terms of everybody else, getting to the dance and getting to the finals is, is an accomplishment in and of itself. Uh, I do think the nature of which... LeBron wins, has its pros and cons. I think you've listed all the cons already, Derek. I think some of the pros is uh, this guy's now have three. He has three rings on three different teams. That's that's super impressive. That just shows how dominant he is and where he goes. Championships are expected. So, you know, like I said, LeBron's great. You know, you can put him in that top five. Maybe you could put him in the top three. Uh, but I, I don't think he's MJ. No, I just I think that. This is like the, the the debate that will never yield a true answer. And and even if even if LeBron James was to win seven NBA championships to Jordan sixes, just just think of all the moments that Jordan provided. You know, granted he played before LeBron, but he set you know he set the kind of the tone for why we can see LeBron today. You know, if the NBA didn't have Michael Jordan in in the 90s and that Chicago Bulls team, like, would basketball really be what it is right now? You know, just think of all the iconic moments, you know, from the shot that MJ had to he how about the game when he played and he was sick? And, you know, just all of those like iconic shots in the in the NBA finals, you know, he did it with with really just Scottie Pippen, where to you guys mentioned, like LeBron had help. Now, if Jordan was playing during this era, I would have to think that Jordan, he's not stupid. He's going to play the game. He's going to, he's going to try to probably create teams that, that allows him to be successful and win. But, you know, Jordan is just in a, in a class of his own and, and he, you know, really is the benchmark of why and how we get to see the NBA today. And LeBron He's going to end up finishing a top five, if not a top three player in our lifetime. Yeah, no question. I mean, he he's a great player, and this Lakers team was stacked, and no one's really surprised that they're the champions. No one's surprised that they went down to Orlando and won 
the bubble tournament and and you know they're the NBA the 2020 NBA AAU national champions. So you know congratulations on the Lakers. I think that ties them now for Celtics, right? They both got the same amount of banners. Uh, so you know congrats to all the Lakers fans out there. That's great. Depending but, um, on who you talk to, because there are people who still. They're like, no, Minneapolis counts for its own you know, portion of titles. Yeah, that's but fine. The, I mean, the, the, the Celtics the won a ton of the Celtics yeah. won a ton of titles when basketball was very different from the game you and I see played today. So you can make you know, whatever, you know, him and haw about this or that. But Lakers are a great franchise, and, and they're the reigning NBA champs, and you can't take that away. But I'm I'm done talking about the Lakers. I'm done talking about the Miami Heat. I'm done talking about anyone else in the NBA. I want to talk Celtics. Hold on, so. Maddie. I got I got one last thing that has been like eating at me for the since the season ended that I just need to get off my chest. The floor uh, is yours. T- Tyler Hero, really appreciate you shooting 51% in the conference finals, including a 37-point game in Game 4, and then turning into a pumpkin in the finals, shooting 36%, including a couple of 6-for-18 games and a 3-for-10 game. That was probably the most frustrating thing about watching the finals is watching that guy who carved up the Celtics just turn into a pumpkin. Yeah, and you know that's that, actually very festive, giving the uh, Halloween. <laughs> but he, the Insta, he's dating an Instagram model that I don't know if you've seen those pictures. Like, I give the kid some credit. Twenty years old, NBA Finals, smoke show, girlfriend, good friend. What does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? Let me tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> Those are some good eggs. <laughs> okay. Well, we're gonna talk about. All right. So, you guys, Chris, do you have any last thoughts? I kind of brush us along kind of quickly there. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, no, not really. I just, um, you know, I'm just, it, I'm happy that you know we, we've the season is now finally over, and now it's really gonna be like when they're going to start up again and just kind of get that thing going. But I'm just kind of happy that it's, you know, we've, we've got a resolution to what felt like the longest season in the history of, of basketball between the breakdown. I mean, the shutdown rather, but um, no, I'm, I'm ready to focus on, I'm ready to focus on some Celtics. All right. Celtics time. A little bit more specific. Let's talk Gordon Hayward. So Ooh. I'm going to ask you guys a question. You can answer it. Yes or no. And then you can elaborate if you care to. So the question is, will Gordon Hayward opt out? No. I don't think so. Chris? I don't think he can walk away from $34 million coming off of a lackluster performance off of that contract. And I say that only to the respect of the fact that the dude had a devastating ankle injury within the first few minutes of playing in his Celtics career. And he took the next, what, three years or two years to kind of get back to where he's at. He's not the same player. I don't know if you can walk away from that kind of money. I think he does opt out. And I think it's because of a lot of, uh, you know, factors that are not necessarily basketball related. Uh, So I do think he opts out. So if he opts out, let's just say he does, he does. Will you guys be happy or sad? I'll be sad. I mean, that makes the I know Hayward is a, a popular guy that people like to pile on because of his contract. And he he hasn't been the guy like that. He was in Utah that everyone was hoping he would be when we signed him. But if, if he opts out and they lose him, this team is worse. 
And it's not like him opting out opens up that, you know, $32, $34 million in cap space for the Celtics to use. They can't just go out and give it to someone else. Um, So, I mean, losing Gordon Hayward would be a a huge loss to this team. That's a great point. You would actually, you'd only get, what is it, the mid-level exception in return. You wouldn't get that full slot. Uh, It would benefit the Celtics to sign and trade for Gordon Hayward. That would be the best way they can get the biggest bang for their buck in, in terms of a return yeah i uh I, I would be sad if he did opt out i do think he is going to opt out and like i said it's because of more or less off the court type things and because of that it, it's why uh, you know it would make me sad because when he signed here you know i had a high hopes for gordon hayward i thought he'd be you know a, a great player for this team and if he leaves because you know his wife doesn't like living in boston or he doesn't have good Juju in a jersey where his ankle, you know, was exploded on the first five minutes of, of his Celtics career. It would make me sad to see him go. Chris, happy or sad? I think it seems to be a trend. Look at it. I mean, like, you got all these wives that don't want to be in Boston. Giselle doesn't want to be in New England. Now we have Robin Hayward doesn't want to be in New England. Now, granted, they have, you know, four little ones and a brand new newborn. So, you know, maybe, maybe she just wants to be closer to the family and things along that, that nature. But I, I wouldn't say that I'd be, I wouldn't say that I'd be upset. I mean, there are some ramifications, you know, to, you know, you guys mentioned in regards to not being able to have the full $34 million, but on the mid-level exception, I think, you know, that puts you behind the eight ball a little bit. Now, if you can do a sign and trade and, you know, there's rumors with Indiana, you know, can you actually get the player or players that are being mentioned that can come back in a trade here? But, you know, is Miles Turner, isn't he kind of, is he kind of more of what you already have right now? Isn't it just a guy that's not going to take it to the basket? It's going to shoot threes. So Miles Turner is pretty good though. Miles Turner yeah, is a pretty good big man. He, he is. No, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take away from him, but you know, what, what, how does he fit in the system? You know, does he, does, how does he, how does he fit here in Boston? You know, so is that really who they can get back? Is that who Indiana wants to trade? I know you're going to match money up and things like that, but it's easy from from our side to say, hey, you know, let me go to ESPN.com. I'm going to go to the, 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 the trade, you know, that trade little maker thing and, and balance out these contracts. But is that really what Indiana wants to do? Indiana, they would there, make them better. There were rumors uh, that Miles Turner was on the block on the, you know, when the trade deadline was approaching. Yeah. So maybe they are looking to trade him. But you would think that if you're trying to get a guy like Hayward, you know, a guy who's not necessarily a spring chicken, a guy who's a vet, you would try to build around him. You wouldn't necessarily try to get rid of maybe your best or your second best player to get Hayward. So, yeah, that you're right, Chris. That might be a little tough for the Celtics to pull off. Derek, you kind of already answered this next question, so I'm going to let Chris take it. If he does opt out, is it good or bad for the Celtics? I think it's bad. I mean, like, so think about it. So, does 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 his wife really want to leave Boston, or is it he sees that there is a bunch of young guys who think that they are better than what they actually are, and maybe he just doesn't want to deal with it? You know, again, there's there really has not been a lot of conversation in regards to that, you know, that locker room tension that was there, especially in in the, in the playoffs. There was some things that, that was touched on the surface and, you know, Felger and Maz, they do their thing to, cause they want people to listen to the show, but 
other than that, like there's not a lot of talk about that. You know, is is a opt out for Gordon Hayward a byproduct of the environment that he's in right now? Maybe maybe him and Brad's relationship isn't just enough to keep him there. At the end of the day, yeah, it's a loss to this team. It's a loss from a contractual standpoint because you're not getting the full value from a money standpoint. You know, can you make the trade? You know, you're trying to trade a guy who is coming off of a, again, that ankle injury. Like, what what exactly are you going to get for him? So... You know, I I think it's I, I think it's uh, I'm not going to I'm not upset that he would leave, but it's a loss. It's, it's a it's a big loss to this club. That's the thing. You, you talk about like there are, a, a, you know, a, like a section of Celtics fans that want to trade Hayward and the Indiana, you know, trade for Miles Turner. And I think they've included like Oladipo, too, is like the popular one that I see thrown around. But I'm like, people are so eager to get rid of Hayward, but I don't know if there's a trade out there you can make with him that improves the team. Like that trade, if they, you know, if Indiana agrees to send you Miles Turner or if, you know, a combination of Hayward and maybe Smart and someone else for Turner and Oladipo, it just feels like a lateral movement to me. That's not a move that's going to put the Celtics over the top. Um, you know, Miles Turner is, he's a great player. He's, you know, he does everything that Daniel Tice does just a little bit better. He's a better rebounder. Shoots a three a little more consistently. He's more athletic, can block shots a little bit better. But that's not the guy to take you over the top. And Oladipo is coming off a, a serious injury himself. When he came back this year, he was bad in the bubble. He was bad in that series against Miami. He's a guy that needs to be, uh, like, his ball dominant needs a ball in his hands. I don't know if he would come into Boston and be a good, someone to fill that Hayward role, that that fourth option, essentially. It felt like last year Hayward felt comfortable as the fourth option. Now we can talk about his his contract and how you shouldn't be paying someone that much to be a fourth option, but that's that's what he is on this team. But it felt like he he settled into that role nicely. I mean, he was coming off his best season as a Celtic. He set a career high in rebounds. He shot 50% from the field. Was averaging over 17 points a game, and he was their best player in the bubble until he got hurt. Uh, you know, in that Philly series, and it feels like. With Hayward's time in Boston, that's what it always is. He was doing well until he got hurt, and that's that's what it is each season, and it sucks, but I still think Hayward, you need Hayward on this team to if the Celtics want a chance to win a title. No, you guys bring up great points, and, you know, there's not really much – you won't get him a lot of pushback from me. You know, I do kind of notice a certain possibility, maybe a – I don't want to call it a trend, but it, it certainly could become a trend really quickly. Why does it seem like veteran players do not want to either come to Boston, or if they do come to Boston, they don't really want to stay in Boston? Not since Kevin Garnett has an, you know, an outside player come in and loved being a part of the Celtics. You have Kevin Durant, chose elsewhere. Kyrie Irving came in, shot his way out of town almost as quickly. Al Horford wanted out at the end. Now Gordon Hayward? We don't know exactly where his mind's at, and, and, and his decision in the next couple of months will give us a better indication of that. But let's say he does opt out. That's just another superstar to come to Boston and not like it here. Do, 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 why is that? I think it's expectations. I think it takes a certain individual to be here and to thrive and succeed here. You know, like, take a look at, like, you know, I, we joke, we use a baseball reference, but I mean, look at David Ortiz. Like, he thrived in this market. Granted, he was clutch in the playoffs, and that, that certainly, you know, that certainly helped the matter. But, you know, he thrived here 
you know, in Boston, you know, it takes a certain, I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, he winning helps, you know, six Super Bowl championship helps, but you know, he thrived here. You know, I think for some of these guys, you know, the media is tough. Um, I think that there's an expectation that fans have, you know, social media is, is extremely, you know, we know the, how popular and how it is and just where it's at, where players go on social media. And I'd like to think that they, they're professionals and they can look past some of the stuff that's, that's said, you know, negatively about them on there, but they're human beings as well. You know, like this is not an easy market to be in. And we're also, we're not sunshine 12 months out of the year. You know, we're not 90 degrees and we're not Miami. You know, you're going to get good summers. You're going to get, you know, decent fall. But when it gets cold, it's gross. You know, like who wants to be in, you know, with the, with the, the winter that we have up here? So it's, it, I think it takes a certain breed to be up here. I think it, you need to have a certain mindset. Yeah, that's that's a perfect. I mean, it's a perfect explanation, and I think a lot of guys in this league nowadays are just soft, and they can't they can't handle that type of uh, like pressure and criticism from fans and media when you don't play well and you don't. It's championship or bust here. So if you don't deliver a championship, you get criticized, and I just think a lot of people in the league uh, are soft. Um, but I think there's a couple things in like recent history that that happened, and I think could play into to people's decisions. So whether whether you agree with them or not, I don't necessarily agree with them. But I think one thing is how the Celtics traded the uh, Isaiah Thomas and the situation around him. Uh, we've heard players, you know, Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis' father come out and say, I'll, I'll never go to Boston because of the way they, you know, they treated Isaiah and how, you know, he went through that whole postseason and, you know, put the team on his back after the the death of his sister, and then they just shipped him off that off season. Which at the time, look, it was a great trade. You got an upgrade in Kyrie Irving, but I think that it just left a kind of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, just given the the circumstances around it. And then I also think the way Kyrie Irving left too. Look, when Irving was here in the beginning, people loved him, fans loved him. He said he was going to be here forever. And then the fan base turned on him really quick. And I think a lot of people around the league can say what you want about Kyrie. I think a lot of people around the league respect him and they saw the way the fan base treated him. And I think that may turn guys off from coming here. No, I, I, you know, I think you guys are pretty much covering it all in, in terms of reasons why veterans don't like to stay in Boston. You know, the expectations are sky high championship or bust is on every fan's mind. Uh, but I have to ask now, you have Jalen Brown locked up. He has a, a long-term extension. He'll be here. Jason Tatum, you do have some control in terms of his contract for the next few years, so he's not going anywhere fast. But do you think he's a possibility, uh, uh, you know, a flight risk for this team in the next you know, three to five years? I think if they don't lock him up quickly, yes. I think they need to to work out an extension before his contract, uh, you know, runs out. Because I I absolutely think he could uh, be someone that could you know go somewhere else and just you know maybe it's a better opportunity, maybe it's more money, whatever the case may be. But I I think you the sooner you can lock him up, the better. He strikes me as a guy that if he was to leave here, like I could see him in a market that is very lax. Like I could see him in an Oklahoma city or, you know, just one of those, one of those markets that 
you win, you win. You don't, you don't. I mean, he's a competitor. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not taking anything away from him. I, you know, I, the Celtics are obviously a, a a great basketball team with him, but he, you know, he just he just gives me that that vibe of, you know, if again, like, I would, you know, would you be surprised if he went to a to a Phoenix Suns and just was down there and it's beautiful weather and. You know, you, you get you get all of it. You get the weather, the chicks, the money, the you know, you get all of that stuff. You know what I mean? But you're not going to win. You know, he strikes me as a kid that wants to win. So I think Danny Ainge is going to need to step in, step in this year and this off season and try to get something locked up. But if you know, as I think we you know get into the legit NBA free agency piece, and you start hearing some rumblings that you know Tatum might be a tough sign, I think. People need to be ready for that. Like, if, if you were pissed about Brady and then Mookie, what's this town going to be like if Tatum goes next? Because then clearly, clearly there's something wrong that as, as, a, as a fan base, as a city, as, you know, like, we need to self-evaluate here and be like, look, we might be forcing dudes out of town. I don't know. You know, Jason Tatum strikes me as someone who wants to win. He's you know, he strikes me as a very competitive and very tough player. Um, but I think you're both right. It's, you know, the, the extension has to come sooner rather than later. I think as he, if this team continues to fail and lose in the Eastern Conference Finals and not win that championship, he's going to be the, he's going to be the guy that gets the brunt of the criticism every time he's their best player. So if you, you know, fast forward two or three years no championships he's going to be ridiculed and he's going to get dragged through the mud in the city in, in with this media so i think you got to sign him up to a long-term deal will he want that i don't know he may want a, a short-term extension a, a, a extension so that he can test free agency when he's still relatively young uh but i do think if, if the celtics want him around for the long term they gotta they gotta lock him up now because you know without winning championships he's not gonna like what you know, the media and the fans have to say. Right. And that's exactly what happened with Kyrie, right? At the beginning of, you know, the, his last season here, he was like, uh, I want to come back if you guys will have me. And, you know, everyone loved him for it. But then as the season went on and he struggled and the team struggled, it, things started to sour a bit and that criticism came out. And I think that eventually pushed him out the door. I think I, you're I mean, completely I... right on that. Again, I just I look at him. He's a young kid. He's from the Midwest. He's he's from St. Louis. You know, would he? Does he want to be back in that part of the country? He's got a young, he's got a young son. You know, his mom's relatively young. You know, does does he prefer to be closer to home or in that proximity? You know, is is a team like the Spurs who are rebuilding? Could could he be eyeing something like that? Is he one of those guys that says? Hey, you know what? The league is starting to look at me as, you know, a guy that's on the cusp of being a legit NBA all-star, legit NBA top 10 talent. You know, is he enough to attract people to Boston versus if he went to a, to a Thunder or he went to San Antonio or Phoenix? He has so many other intangibles that we don't offer here in Boston that that he can that he can, you know, attract over at some point the duck boats and the mystique and the championships over 20 years is not going to be enough for people 
you know, and, you know, Derek mentioned it, like it's perception. This, this city has a perception about itself and Danny Ainge, while he probably thought, Hey, getting Kyrie Irving is, is a smart thing. It's a great trade. And it was, it was a great trade at that time. Did Danny Ainge actually really think of what the potential backlash could have been where in hindsight, getting Kyrie Irving was actually a detriment to, to building the team to where he thought it, he could get it to. Cause he thought by trading Kyrie, it gets him, it gets him Kevin Durant when that never happened. And it didn't get him Anthony Davis either. No, that's, that's true. Uh, you know, so we want to be clear. Like I'm, I want to be clear. Like I don't want people to think like I want Jason Tatum to leave here. Cause I want him to be, you know, he's, he's a fun player to watch. I'm, I like, you know, he's one of the, you know, the few guys in the season, like, you know, I, I'm I'm higher on him than I am on Jalen Brown, you know, so I want to see the Celtics lock him up because he's a young talent that they drafted, that they identified that, you know, just think of the, you know, they traded that first overall pick to slide back and that was the guy they wanted all along. Like, he feels like he's the right pick. He feels like he's the guy. Let's keep the guy. I'm, I'm tired of seeing these guys leave and playing in other parts of the country and I have to watch on TV and then win championships. No, well said. Uh, we've kind of alluded to this throughout this entire podcast, so I think now is the best time to come right out and ask this question. Do the Celtics have a locker room issue? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, look, the what happened after Game 2 was well-publicized and um, you know, well covered on like Twitter and it turned into a big story. But I think that was just like a, a perfect storm of things. Look, they had two extremely frustrating losses in the, the conference finals, two games that they really should have won. You put um, like couple that with the fact that they had been in a bubble for months. You're stuck in the same place. You see the same exact people every single day. Like, you, you know what that's like. Uh, I mean, like, just like sitting in the car for like four or five hours with the same people, like the, the smallest thing that they do, you know, pisses you off and sets you over the edge. So I just think it was a, a combination of things. I mean, they had great chemistry throughout the, the regular season. Guys love playing with one another. We've seen them get together, you know, outside of, the, of basketball. You know, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart were all on Team USA the previous summer. So I, I don't think they have an issue. I just think that that particular moment, there was just a, a perfect storm of things going on. Chris, do you think that the Boston Celtics have issues in their locker room? You know, I think the pressure and the stress of the NBA playoffs, you know, certainly, you know, boiled over to a point. Um, I, I think that there might be something there. And I, I only say that in the respect because of the fact we have limited information of, you know, until we can get more information as to why Gordon Hayward might want to opt out, Anis Kanter opted out, you know, he's going to become a free agent. Um, there's been conversation on social media and on sports talk radio that would the Celtics benefit from, some players with some change of scenery or shaking up the locker room. You know, when those conversations happen, I understand that they have a TV show they got to fill, but sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. So, you know, I, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's Camelot, but I, I certainly think that there's probably 
there's probably some issues there. And, and, you know, again, you know, Derek, you know, he hit it on the head, you know, again, you're in a bubble, you're with each other and you're seeing each other more than you would during the regular season. You know what I mean? Like these guys get to go home in the bubble. You're going back to your room. You're seeing each other every day before the game, by the pool, doing whatever it is they were doing, playing, you know, cornhole or whatever it is they're, they're doing before the game. You know what I mean? There's not a break to get away from one another. So tensions can rise, especially when there's expectation. So I certainly I think that there's something there. And I think as we get more information leading into free agency as to why some of these guys are either opting out from a financial standpoint or from a personal standpoint, or maybe they just don't want to be there. But I, I, I think that there was, there's a little bit of there's a little bit of smoke to the, the fire there. Yeah, you can't teach Enos Cantor to swim every single day uh, while you're waiting to play your your, your NBA basketball game. Uh, I I don't think there's a locker room issue personally. Um, you know, arguments and flare ups between teammates is nothing new, especially here in Boston. Uh, just you know, as a sports fan uh, uh, of the Boston teams. It usually results in a win, so this is a little bit uncharacteristic in that regard. But there's been plenty of times we saw Brady flip out on his team and they came back to win. You know, there's the famous David Ortiz tirade when he went off on his teammates and they came back to win. It was the Chris Sale in 2018. Hang on, but but there's a difference between David Ortiz and Tom Brady. They've they have a track record of winning. There's a cachet behind them. It, when Tom Brady steps, you know, it, when Tom Brady speaks, his team listens. When Jason Tatum speaks, do the Celtics listen? If, well, I mean, he is their best player, so yeah, they should. But they, I but mean, they didn't. Because right, if they but that, did, yeah, if right. They but did, I don't think that I don't think those two things are necessary. I don't think like they. I don't think I, obviously the clout of, of a Tom Brady and a David Ortiz holds a ton of weight. But at the time, Chris Sale was only with the team for short term, and he was able to rally the troops. And you know he's not like a, 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 a he's not a future Hall of Famer or anything like that. So it's not you don't have to be a, you know a Hall of Fame first ballot legend, one of the best of all time, to get your team going. Marcus Smart is the longest tenured player on this team, if I'm not mistaken. He's the de facto leader. He 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 plays with an, a, a chip on his shoulder and he gets after it. So it's not a surprise that he tried to rally the troops after a devastating loss and. and when the reports came out that there was an outburst after the game, it came after, you know, this wasn't the first lead that they blew that he flipped out. This was after numerous times of this team not being able to hold on to a lead. So, you know, just because, you know, they don't have any future Hall of Famers on this team doesn't mean that the outbursts are, are really all that different. I mean, I don't know. You look at the you look at the player, you know, the the, the handful of outbursts of problems from a locker room standpoint the Celtics have had Marcus Smart seems to be in the middle of it so I, I get trying to rally the team I, I again I don't we don't have I don't have any information I don't have any inside scoops or anything like that it's really would just be me speculating and, and trying to uh you know get a rise out of people when they're talking but um you know I I don't think it's it's a major issue to the point where, you know, you got to blow the whole operation up and start from scratch. You know, bad, yeah. you know, their bad play and the pressure of the postseason certainly mounted. And that's why I was saying at the beginning, like, they just need some veteran leadership. 
get some veteran leadership who's been there that's won, throw them on the bench, you know, and just bring some guys in that that have that have a little bit more clout and cachet that can kind of reel it in when when times are going tough. And that way these younger guys, the Browns and the Tatums, and you know, they can learn from these from these players. So that way it gives them better perspective how to handle this in the future. I think that's a great point, you know, that you bring up. And, you know, it is there is one player that's kind of the common denominator in these outbursts, and it is Marcus Smart. And I think what Danny Ainge decides to do in the offseason, if he trades Marcus Smart, I think that is your answer right there, that maybe he was a little bit of a, a, a rougher edge that the team didn't care for. Uh, but if he sticks around, then, you know, I think it, it, it proves that, you know, the, the executives and the coach believe in this team. Losing well, to the you- – might- no, keep going. You posed the question, you know, you, but you you posed the question on Twitter a few weeks back, you know, when the rumors came out of would you trade Marcus Smart and the 14th pick for the Warriors number two? You know, and I, I, I think you had said on actually, did you even answer on Twitter that whether you would do that or not? Uh, I believe yeah. I did. Yes. Answer it. And I don't remember what my answer is but just hearing it now uh i would do it because i i like the guy that will probably be there at two how about you derek what would you do i mean i i would i just don't think golden state would ever do that yeah See, i think would, i do i, I think i matches, do that but... i think I, I, let's say that that's actually a real thing i think i do that you know because like think about the players that they've brought in 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 that that mid teen area, you know what I mean? Like you, you've, you have, I mean, they've hit some with some players. I'm not going to say that Danny hasn't, but to say that you can go at number two and potentially get a young, legit player that you can partner with Tatum and Brown and maybe you make a free agent move or two. Like I don't necessarily hate that thought. Yeah, especially when the the guy uh, projected to be there with the second overall pick is, you know, Wiseman, you know, the seven foot one center out of Memphis, extremely athletic, you know, drawing comparisons to a DeAndre Ayton might be a player that they could benefit from from acquiring. Uh, But if Marcus Smart isn't a problem in the locker room and they keep him, then I think maybe uh, they know more than I, which, you know, as a. A member of the Boston media is big of me to admit that I don't know everything. (laughs) So we're talking trades, and and, it was in the notes. So I'm going to ask you guys one last question, and then we'll wrap up tonight's episode. Uh, They lost to the Miami Heat. They didn't seem to have enough to, to reach the finals, and they certainly would not have had enough to beat LeBron and the Lakers. Has Danny Ainge blown his chance by not trading some of the young players for more proven stars. What are you guys' thoughts on that on that topic? So I think it all depends on what you would want, right? Do you want to, you know, sacrifice your future for one title? I mean, like, you know, Toronto got Kawhi and he brought him a championship and then he bolted. And, you know, it was pretty clear that if the Celtics got Anthony Davis, he was leaving, you know, right after that. And so I, I think... I think he made the right call in hanging on to guys like Brown and Tatum uh, because they've turned into great players and they're going to keep developing. 
I think it's, it might be too early to answer that question because in the next, you know, three or if they say they lock up Tatum in the next three or four years, if they keep coming up short and don't even get to the finals, yeah, maybe you can say, uh, you know, maybe he should have traded one or two of them to try and get a, you know, a veteran and, and bring in a title. Um, but I, I think, I think hanging on to those two guys was the, the right decision because um, it keeps them competitive for the long term. I agree with you because, uh, you know, the example that has been brought up, uh, you know, on Twitter and by the masses is the whole Jalen Brown for Jimmy Butler trade. And I think it was just very low hanging fruit for people to bring up because Jimmy Butler won and Jalen Brown lost. But I don't think, you know, trading a young guy with the promise and the talent of, of Jalen Brown for Jimmy Buckets even guarantees you one ring let alone multiple. So I think Danny Ainge so far has played it right. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it makes you second guess yourself when, you know, they haven't won, but I, I think the winning is still ahead. So I agree with you, Derek. I think time will tell, but I think Danny Ainge so far has played it right. You want to talk about like locker room issues. Could you imagine if they brought Jimmy Butler in and him and Marcus Smart were in a locker room? Forget it. I mean, you know, but, <laughs> Butler had his issues with Minnesota. Smart and Butler like were went at each other a couple of years ago when the Celtics played the Bulls in the postseason. So I, I just don't think those two guys would be able to coexist. I agree. I completely agree. Chris, any thoughts on the Danny Ainge and how he's handled this roster so far? Well, you've given us some of your thoughts. I meant in terms of the missed opportunities. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, he's certainly he's he's <clears throat> he's definitely taken advantage of you know really how the cards have been dealt to him, you know, and and the picks that he's had, and and being able to get players like you know Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown and 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 um, Jason Tatum, things like that. But at some point you know, you need to have a well-rounded roster, you know, and hanging on to all of these young players. What's it kind of gotten you at this point? You don't have a, you know, you have NBA Eastern conference final appearances to show for, it, but you don't have a finals appearance, let alone a championship to show for it recently. So at some point it's time to move on from a young player or two. And I'm not saying, you know, trading a guy like a, when moving like your, your Brad Wanamakers or guys like that and getting, again, an established veteran to be off the bench. I, I really think that's kind of like where this team needs to go. Like it's more depth and role player, you know, that can kind of help, you know, play off of, you know, the, the starting core that they have. I don't think they need to do anything super drastic, but if it's true and they need a change in the locker room, then maybe you, you trade and you do that. But I think it's time that Danny Ainge starts to, understand that yeah it's nice we have all these assets all these picks we have the the best g league team in the history of the g league and you know we have a you know a pretty solid you know boston celtics team but they just they lack in my opinion that leadership and depth to get to the next level i agree and i think that's a good place to end this episode because you know the next chapter is this offseason and see what, what Danny Ainge and company decides to do in, in, in terms of attacking the 2021-2022 the season. Uh, so if you like what you heard tonight and want to read 
you know, some great articles. You go to the Boston Sports Syndicate.com. That's our website. You can find Chris's articles. You can find Derek articles. You can even find my uh, fantasy football Shark Tank articles that I've been doing weekly. Uh, right now, obviously, given this, the, the sports season, you're going to get a lot of Patriots and fantasy and, and stuff of that nature. But as the basketball season rolls on, you'll get a lot of Derek's takes on the Celtics and how they're approaching the offseason. Um, so you can find all those articles there at, at our website, bostonsportssyndicate.com. Uh, go to iTunes or, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and listen to the numerous phenomenal uh, sports podcasts that the Boston Sports Syndicate provides. We have a Red Sox podcast, a Bruins podcast. Obviously, you're listening to this, so we have a Celtics podcast. We also have a Patriots podcast. Obviously, we have to have the Patriots. And then our flagship podcast, which – Stay tuned. Our big 100th episode will be coming out in the near future, so get ready. It's coming. Um, I think that's about it. We don't really have much sponsors. Make sure you buy merch. Uh, we got great products. We actually have a promo code, uh, Spooky, I believe, to get uh, uh, some percentage off your next purchase of Boston Sports Syndicate hats, shirts, all that good stuff. Um yeah, it's been fun, guys. I love talking to you. I can't wait till we do this again. I'm sure we'll come to you very soon uh, with some hot stove topics. Uh, you know, they're saying basketball may start Christmas. It may start Martin Luther King Day. We're not sure yet, so we'll we'll talk again before the season starts. Obviously, uh, but it's been great. Everyone, listen. Have a great night for Derek and Chris. I'm Matt. Later. Thanks. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM.